0: Getting a good night's sleep can be tough on a sticky summer's night. It can be even harder for young kids and their parents whose sleep schedules have been put out of whack by holiday adventures and longer daylight hours. And we should say at the moment, muggy temperatures. Should parents be concerned if their children aren't getting enough shut-eye? And as the end of the holidays approach and a a return to school looms, what are some of the ways to get back into a good sleep routine? Professor Sarah Blunden is a clinical psychologist and head of paediatric sleep research at Central Queensland University in Australia. She's uh, with us from Adelaide. Good morning, Sarah.
1: Good morning, Catherine, and I hope you've had a good sleep.
0: I've honestly... I could talk for ages about my history with sleep, but I have to say at this age and stage, it's, it's going pretty nicely, thank you for the most part. Wonderful, that's great. Based and that's on, lucky because Based on getting to bed that. earlier and getting up earlier, waking with the light, and we don't often have that privilege, do we?
1: We do not know, um, particularly, and I guess your work schedule is an, you know, as, a, as a morning presenter, um, depending on our work, depending on our family. We don't really let our bodies tell us when they want to sleep and allow them to do that. We regulate pretty much everything about our sleep.
0: One of the things I love about summer is that it is literally possible, if you have the right working hours, to, to wake with the light. Yes. Uh, and to go to bed with the dark. Let's talk about the youngins, though. Uh, and could you run us through first how much sleep children at various ages need to be getting?
1: Uh huh. Okay, so the the latest guidelines that we have that the science community, sleep science community uses are American Academy of Sleep Medicine um, and they put them out about five, six years ago. It shows that there are 80% of the population of kids from birth up to 18 that sleep a certain amount but the range is really, really big. In an infant, for example, it can range from 12 hours to 17 hours in a 24-hour period. That's a massive difference between child one and child two. For primary school children, it's a little bit less extreme in terms of its range, somewhere between eight and 10 or nine and 11, depending on which guideline you're looking at. Um, And as they get older, that moves down to, as adolescents, somewhere between um, eight and 10 again, or sometimes seven and nine. So you see that there's a big range of sleep. And really, if someone said to me, how much sleep should my child be getting? I really can't tell them because the guidelines are so vague. So that really doesn't help you much, does it? And It's not like, you know, diet or water or physical activity.
0: There's, that. There's also the sleep patterns. And, and I, I still don't think it's sunk through that even for adults, the idea of being out to it for seven or eight hours, you've, you've probably been up to no good if that's happening. Um, or uh, <laughs> You know, we, we go through cycles and it's natural to wake and to go through different cycles of sleep or, or phases of sleep. What about for children, uh, for infants and, and, and young children?
1: Yes, that's a good point. Um, All of us have sleep cycles that uh, go down to a deep sleep and then come up through the different stages of sleep to a lighter sleep and then usually we wake. At the end of your sleep cycle, there's a REM cycle, REM, rapid eye movement, when we're dreaming and when our brain is actually very, very active. Um, We will always wake up from that. Infants will actually wake up at the end of a 45-minute sleep cycle Um, and then uh, a primary school child who, at the age of five, Already has an adult sleep pattern, will do the same thing after an hour and a half. So, between um, infants and school aged children, there is an increase of sleep stage between about 45 minutes to one and a half hours. So, it gradually increases. At the end of that cycle, as you mentioned, we usually wake up. Now, as we get older, that wake up may just become a cortical arousal, kind of a scratch our nose, or maybe we don't even realise that we've woken out of a a sleep stage. Um, But there are periods about three or four hours into sleep for an adult sleep pattern. We usually wake up because we've had a deep sleep block. That's it. We don't get any more deep sleep after that first three or four hours as an adult sleep pattern. And then the rest of the, uh, the night, if you like, is spent in lighter stage sleepers until we get to the about six hours into sleep when there's actually not even any more deep sleep. It's all light and REM sleep. So um, I hope that makes sense that after each REM period, we will wake up as an infant with a 45-minute sleep cycle, that could be 10 to 15 wake-ups per night, the, the, the horrible thought. As an, um, a primary school child, that can be 5 to 8. And as an adult, that probably is similar. As we get older again, it gets different again.
0: How good are infants and children at self-settling during these cycles at various ages? And is there a time to pop up because you will help that settle? And, or is there a time to lead them to it?
1: Uh, that's the million-dollar question, I think, Catherine. Um, the children, uh, particularly young children and babies, they will settle when they are feeling good right, full, happy, safe, secure, dry, all those things, if they wake up after that natural cycle and they're not feeling right, they don't actually decide that they're going to call parent. They just cry because they're not right. And parent will choose to go to the child and settle them or choose not to. There's a whole range of reasons why someone would choose to settle their child or not settle their child, including parenting styles, the decide to let your child self settle without any assistance, the decide not to. That's a whole kind of sociological issue around settling or not settling but it is true that babies find it difficult to self-settle and some more than others because that's probably a temperamental trait Catherine some people are just easier to do that kind of stuff but others as um, children get to school age they get to learn what's expected of them and that's of course set up in the family's rules and the society's rules and then they will either do that easily or not.
0: I take your point, but sometimes it's a snuffle and a bit of noise and a bit of wrestling and rustling, and then sometimes it's crying. And your point is when it's the latter, that's going to be a a decision um, rather than just a a wait and see as to what happens. That's right. Sarah, let's look at this question of the routine being upset as it is uh, at the moment. Um, And look, this is interesting because... I know for teens in particular, we get them up too early and we send them off to school compulsorily too early in the morning. I think that's mm-hmm. accepted, right? Mm-hmm. So here they are and it's January and they're up till two in the morning and they're sleeping in till 11 in the morning, yeah. um, doing actually what their bodies <laughs> tell them to do. What Indeed. do we do about helping get them back to um, the reality of what their schedule's going to be?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's actually relatively easy to get them back to a schedule. Um, what's probably less easy is convincing them to do so because, you know, they do have this later bed bedtime and this kind of delayed phase, as you suggest. And they're probably just having fun and doing things that they can't do during the school, school term. So it's really important that, that, you know, they can relax, per se. Um what we have to understand is that the circadian rhythm, and that's our basic body clock, A circadian rhythm is dictated by night and day. And of course, we sleep at night or supposed to, and, and we're alert and work in the day. And our bodies uh, tell us innately that we need to go to sleep. And for an adolescent, if you're thinking adolescent, it's usually somewhere, let's just say 10 o'clock at night, the body is ready to sleep and that relies on melatonin and light, light and day and a whole range of issues that prompt our body to get sleepy. And then we fall asleep and we wake up after our set, our set amount of hours and that's often, let's say seven o'clock. So let's just say for the purpose of the exercise, 10 to seven, an adolescent might do. Now, when they go to sleep, Um, during the holidays, they might stay up and they might game or go on social media or have a part-time job or go out and party or whatever, and they'll go to bed later. Now, the circadian rhythm has been set at 10 to 7, and our bodies like to be regular. The sleep is the basic circadian rhythm, and all other follows. So when we eat, when we digest, when we um, eliminate, when we are active, when we're the most alert, this is all part of how we function. And when our sleep circadian rhythm delays, then everything else will delay and sometimes it gets really confused. So that's the only really issue that I have about when we go on school holidays and things just kind of go crazy and kids will go to sleep at two o'clock in the morning, as you suggest, which means that everything else has gone gone off the wire as well now that can affect some kids really badly and some less badly to get back to school we have to help kids understand circadian rhythms how they work and what their function is that is to dictate how our body functions including mood and behavior which I didn't mention before and so when we're saying okay so you've had a great time over the holidays now we have to get you back to a school rhythm if a child is sleeping at two o'clock the way that I work we have to we have to get that child's bedtime and wake time earlier and earlier. Uh, about every second or third day, and I work in fifteen-minute increments. So, for example, if the child is starting to sleep at two o'clock, I say, "Okay, so you're going to you're going to put yourself down at two uh, quarter to two, and you're going to get up in the morning at quarter to eleven, for example." And each the wake and the sleep times will edge back slowly to get to, let's say, a ten to seven schedule. Now you might tell me that's a very, very long way between two o'clock and ten o'clock. That's a lot of 15 minute increments, but that is the case. So when I mentioned to parents, okay, we need to get them back to school age, school time. This is what it's looking like. You can go faster, you can go slower, or you can go cold turkey. You just have to get up. After going to bed at two o'clock, you have to get up in the morning at seven o'clock. You'll be very tired. But it will happen
0: pretty smartly. So the thing is to start well before they're back to school. Yeah. If you're going to do it the very slow way, you would be yeah. starting it around about now for high school kids. Um, otherwise, absolutely. you can have a bit of shock and awe, but you don't want the shock and awe to be the first day back at school because the f- whole week's going to be a write off, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Right. Yeah. And for so, the yeah.
0: and for the younger children, um, uh, you know, let's say um, early primary or, 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 or middle primary, is it just an adaptation of a, of the same process?
1: Yes, it is. It is. They're less likely to be quite so extreme than the adolescents are um, because they don't have a sleep pattern that is um, naturally moving forward. The, the, the primary school kids are, are usually a little bit more settled. When they get up into puberty, it's, you know, maybe that might be year six or seven, I don't know about, about you guys in New Zealand, but in Australia, year six or seven, we might be heading towards puberty, in which case we're going to start to get into the strife.
0: What about uh, some of the physical things about this time of year? Um, And look, you live in in the lucky country and the sunburned country and everything else. We've got a very muggy summer happening in Uh in much of the country this year. So things like temperature and lighting... Um, with, especially with younger kids where actually the school year isn't so much the thing you just want them to be in healthy patterns and getting enough sleep what do yeah. you need to think about with the ambience of the room and, and what can you do I was just thinking kids get used don't they to the amount of swaddling or the amount of blankets that they have, they serve more of a purpose than keeping warm and yet in summer they might be just about losing the lot what are some of the practical yeah. things to help them with heat and, and, and extra daylight?
1: Yeah, good point. Um, So it really is a bit of an experimentation, particularly if you're having temperatures that you're not used to. um, That is a bit of a readjustment. And I guess it's about understanding that those differences, physical differences, will make um, a difference to getting to sleep. And that's okay. We have to understand, okay, the reason you couldn't sleep last night was because you were too hot. Let's see if we can experiment with some, some pure cotton or pure wool kind of uh, bed clothing, uh, which is, m- probably is more expensive, but breeds better and makes the temperature um, maintenance much easier. Um, we're going to have to think about whether windows are open, windows are closed. There are a whole lot of logistical things that we can do, but it also de- is determined by how the child and the parents interact. If the child is a very routine-oriented child, then they're going to find it difficult to change that um if a parent is worried that they're not getting enough sleep and, and and worries that they're taking a long time to get to sleep on a very long basis then we we can get a, a few psychological issues that can come in and and sabotage the gentle experimentation of what might work and what might not <clears throat> okay does that make sense
0: it does it absolutely does. Let's look at some of the questions we've got. My three-year-old has always sweated when she sleeps. Hot or cold doesn't matter. My other children don't.
1: What's going on there? Aha, good question. Um, there is um, a proportion of children who are very hot and sweaty, um, and of adults too, as I, as I must mention. These kids are usually more restless. Um, interestingly, the science does not say that because they're sweating, because they're restless, because the amount of activity that they do at night time when they're moving around does not warrant the amount of sweating. They just run hot. Um, I wonder if that child has also got other sleep stuff, like maybe they have night terrors, maybe they're sleepwalkers, maybe they're snorers, um, they're, they're, that's a type of sleep pattern that often goes together. If not, then they're just a hot sleeper and you have to manage that. It doesn't necessarily mean anything bad.
0: What's the best way to help a child get to sleep when they're incredibly overtired and struggling to sleep? This is, a, this is the classic nightmare, isn't it? How, it is not it How do it you approach is, it, is. it?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think it's important to understand that um, when we are tired and when our, our, the, the parts of our brain that dis- make decisions, the prefrontal cortex... Um, when it gets overtired it really can't function that well and the parts of our brain that tend to panic um, get overexcited. So we are kind of up against a physiological barrier when we're saying okay let's just calm down and think about how we can get to sleep. Well we can't calm down and we can't be calm and our body and our brain are busy being worried and stressed etc. So Traditional calming exercises, mindfulness listening, um, which is an exercise that I do with with all the kids that I see, just like a five, a one-minute listening exercise can calm the brain down. And then we can say, okay, so the reason I'm not sleeping tonight is because I'm overtired. Tomorrow we'll make sure that that gets better. And let's just lie here and relax rather than stress about actually sleeping. What the problem can be, Catherine, is that we start to fight, I must sleep, I must sleep. I must sleep, and that can actually make it much harder to sleep. If it's an overtired issue, the routine will help us to get it better, and we need to be patient. Yes, it'll happen by itself.
0: And actually, it's a very interesting segue. Um, Someone asking how to deal with their own anger and frustration when they need to sleep, and the kids come through for the fifth time. Actually, children are so locked into our own, what what we emit, and impossible it is as it is, the calmer you can keep yourself, the more likely to calm them. But good luck with that sometimes, yeah? Yeah,
1: well, good luck. And, you know, that's a whole thing, isn't it? I mean, that's parenting per se, um, about how we we manage our kids in the daytime is how we manage our kids at night time. The behaviour patterns that we have are the same, except that at night we're just all exhausted. So and what so,
0: what do you say when the when the child is coming back and back and back multiple times? Do you just say just go back to bed if they're a, a child who can settle themselves? Do you just have to persist with the same response? Do you have to get up and persist with that response if that's deemed to be the the appropriate one to help them settle? Do you just have yeah. to keep doing it?
1: Well, that that depends on what your choice is whether. Uh, Um, When I say choice, your choice that you want to insist that the child sleep alone or you want to insist if if your family decides that that's the priority. I say that because then some some people decide that it's not the priority and they decide to co-sleep because it's just easier and I call that a reactive co-sleeper or people that want to co-sleep because they just think that it's okay to do that. So if your family says they must go back to their room, then you can decide, do I want to insist on that? Because if you do keep going back and you do keep helping the child understand there's actually no reason and no excitement or no anything exciting or good that's going to come out of you coming out of bed all the time. You might as well just go back. Uh, chances are the child will, will find that, okay, so I will. And that's basic learning theory, Catherine. You know, we do something that we like and we get a response that we like will keep doing it. So actually, if they're of, or an, or
0: of, of an age, you can just say, go back to bed and stay where you are. Uh, like, you can you can stay in bed, and, and for them, it's back to bed, back to bed, back to bed until they realise they're not going to get a
1: different response. That, yeah, that's that's right. And it's from about the age of three and a half, four, for a girl, and about three, three and a half... Oh, sorry, uh, a little bit older for... Sorry, start again. About three for a girl, about three and a half for a boy, they can actually they're going to do something and actually do it. They can actually plan so developmentally. So you can say to a three and a half year old girl, go back to bed and go to sleep. Well, they, they know what to do. It's a question of whether they will actually obey you. And that's a different issue altogether. So if you have the capacity to say to a child who's a little bit, oh, let's go for a primary school child, they should be able to understand an instruction and they should be able to follow through and stick to it because that's what schooling is going to be all about. So if the child is frightened, scared, needs extra additional help, um, try and get the child to be able to manage that themselves. If they want their own light, can they have their own light? Can they have a torch to check the shadow um, over in the corner of the room? Can they have some music playing? Something that's going to make it easier for them to self-settle. Many parents will say to me, yes, but that's not sustainable. And I so kind of go, well, why not? <laughs> if it helps them settle, then it's it's probably easier in the long term and more uh, giving the child the opportunity to be in control of their own sleep. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so, and that all depends on a child not being extremely anxious at night time. That's another whole kettle of fish.
0: Uh, this is a really interesting observation. I need to let you go. We may get you back. Uh, thank you, Sarah. I would let my daughter read. Says this. Um Correspondent, I couldn't make her go to sleep, but I could make her go to bed. I let her read, and I knew she'd fall asleep when she was yep. ready. Uh, yep. That's interesting. Um, I wouldn't yep. be reading on a device, though, right? That's an old fashioned no, that's, book.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. old fashioned book, that's right. And that has its own advantages and disadvantages. And it's all, I guess, it's all depends on the family uh-huh. and the temperament, all kinds of stuff, Catherine. You're right. Yeah. Thanks.
0: Come back another time. Thank you so much. Sarah Blunden is clinical psychologist and head of pediatric sleep research at Central Queensland University in Australia.